0: you are listening to Press Church Podcast, please enjoy this week's message. The title of my sermon today, and probably going to be next week as well, is titled, The Sure Mercies of David. The Sure Mercies of David. We're going to be reading Isaiah chapter 55, starting in verse 3. By the end of next week, we'll have read the whole passage. But we'll start in verse 3 of Isaiah 55. And it says in verse 3, Incline your ear and come to me. Hear and your soul shall live. And I, this is God, will make an everlasting covenant with you, the sure mercies of David. The sure mercies of David. Now we have to understand that there is a big difference between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant, that we as Gentiles were not allowed or involved with the Old Covenant in any way. We couldn't even get in there. We couldn't even have access to the New Covenant. So God had to make a way. We couldn't make a way to get into the Old Covenant. God had to make a new way, a new covenant. In the way that he created, the way that he decided was before the foundations of the world, the lamb was already slain. The way that he decided was laying the sins of the world on Jesus. The way that he decided was by believing on Jesus and his, listen to this, completion of the righteous standing of the law. That God would just let you in on the basis of what he did. Jesus did all the work. And all we have to do is believe in that work. And we're allowed in. The sure mercies of David. The word sure in the Greek is aman, A-M-A-N. And it means properly built up or supported. To foster as a parent, figuratively, it means to be firm or faithful or believe. Now, we, in the new covenant, all of a sudden, those are some words that we understand. Might not understand the sure mercies of David yet, but we understand the word faith. We understand the word believe, the faith mercies of David. Now, the word mercies in Hebrew is the word hesed. HESED hased and that means kindness beauty the good deed loving kindness favor mercy what's a a new covenant word that we could attach to that be grace we see that in the scriptures the word grace is mentioned over and over and it has the same exact definition so the faithful graces of David, that God is speaking to the prophet Isaiah before the new covenant is ever established. Isaiah is hearing from God about this new covenant that is coming. Isaiah is known as a messianic prophet. He's prophesying about the Messiah who is coming. He doesn't have the understanding. He doesn't have the full revelation that the Gentiles are going to be included in this new covenant because Paul writes in his writings that if the rulers and the leaders of this earth knew and understood what was going to happen by killing Jesus, they would have never done it. (coughs) They thought that they were killing him forever. They thought that it was over that they had ruined God's plan, they had messed it up? And God said, no, 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 because Jesus said, if you plant me in the ground, if you plant a seed in the ground, not only will just one plant come back up, but there will be multiple plants, which was God's plan all along. He says, if I plant my son into the ground, into that grave, then there are going to be a bunch of Jesus that show up. Because as he is, so are you, the scripture says. The mystery has now been revealed through Paul and his writings. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. So the prophet Isaiah is writing down these prophetic words that God is speaking to him about this new covenant, this everlasting covenant that is coming. And he's talking about the sure mercies of David and I will make an everlasting covenant with you. The sure mercies of David. He's describing the new covenant. Now he's talking about David, the sure mercies of David. Now I believe reading through the life of David, David did a lot of things that deserved death. He did a lot of things that weren't the best, but God makes it a point to point out the sure mercies of David. If we read through the Old Testament, we see God killing people for way less than what David has done. God didn't like what something happened, he would just open the earth, swallow up some people, cause an earthquake to happen. Something happened, he just, some snakes would go through the camp and bite people. God killed a lot of other people for a lot of less things than what David did. A prime example is our good friend Uzzah. God probably should have killed him for just the name Uzzah. 2 Samuel chapter 6. In 2 Samuel chapter 6, verses 6 and 7, we see the story of Uzzah. And when they came to Nacho's, threshing floor, Uzzah put out his hand to the Ark of God, the Ark of the Covenant, and took a hold of it, for the oxen stumbled. So they're bringing the Ark of the Covenant back. They've got the Ark of the Covenant on a trailer bed with oxen that are pulling it, and they pass by Nacho's house, and the oxen stumble, which causes the Ark of the Covenant to stumble, and Uzzah trying to be the good man that he is, he says, well, I'm going to catch it. I'm going to hold it up because Uzzah's name in Hebrew means strength. So if I'm carrying the Ark of the Covenant with me, I want somebody next to the Ark of the Covenant with the name of strength to help hold that thing up. And when they came, look at, let's go to verse 7. Uh-oh, Lord didn't like that. Then the anger of the Lord was aroused against Mr. Strength, And God struck him there for his error, and he died there by the Ark of the Covenant. You want to talk to Uzzah about God's mercies? He's probably got some questions about the mercies of God. But let's not talk about the sure mercies of Uzzah. Let's talk about the sure mercies of David. David. David commits adultery. He murders the man that he commits adultery, the wife with. He kills so many people in battle. But there's something unique about God and David's relationship where God just keeps pouring his mercies out on David. So I want to know about the sure, da- the sure mercies of David. Paul references David when he's talking about those mercies in Romans. Romans chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. Romans chapter 4, verses 6, it says, just as David also described the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works. Now we're going to see from the from the mouth and the pen of David, it's in Psalms 32, verses 1 through 2. The Apostle Paul is referencing, he says, blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Verse 8, blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. There just seemed to be some type of connection between God and David. David has committed sins against God, but God will just not count it against him. The sure mercies of David. Family, my sins and your sins were taken care of at a hill called Calvary. At Golgotha. And God stopped counting my sins and your sins against me. When he made the decision to place those all on Jesus. In the moment that I believed, he says, I'll no longer impute your sins. He decided... To impute my sins on Jesus. And then he decided to impute Jesus' righteousness on me. The sure mercies of David. God's plan. God made the decision that a new covenant had to be put in place, and he could have decided it to go any way that he wanted to, but his decision was to put everything on Jesus and take everything that Jesus had. And place it on humanity with the simple step of you believing. The sure mercies of David. Let's look at some of these sure mercies of David in regards to the new covenant in our life. Number one, the first one we can look at is the new covenant realities come to you based on hearing. The new covenant realities come to you based on hearing. In Isaiah 55, verse 3, look at the first thing it says Incline your ear and come to me. Hear and your soul shall live. What am I inclining my ear to? What am I supposed to be hearing? God making the statement, I will make an everlasting covenant with you. And what does that look like? It looks like the same sure mercies, the same sure, the same faithful grace that I've given to David when he should have died for everything that he's done. I'm going to put that on you in that everlasting covenant. How do those new covenant realities manifest in your life? It starts with hearing and inclining your ear to hear what God has to say. It's important that you hear, number one, but it's also important, number two, that people hear you saying your testimony. It's important that you hear, number one. We've heard and seen in the past the scientific studies that shows that speaking to your plants will cause them to grow. I want to apologize to each and every one of you because I have not been speaking to the plants out front of our church. <laughs> Apparently none of us have. They are dying so quickly. We are now going to try cactuses. So when you leave church today, just look over to your left, look over to your right, and say, Grow, baby, grow, grow. Plants probably don't hear like we do, says Dr. Dominique Hess, a biophilia expert and lead researcher at the Horticulture Innovation in Australia's Plant Life Balance. Sounds like a pretty important title. Dr. Hess says that Smithsonian and NASA has shown that mild, mild vibrations increase growth in plants While harsher, stronger vibrations have a negative effect. Dr. Hess explains the vibrations improve communication and photosynthesis, which improves growth and the ability to fight infection. You could say the plants are happy. That the vibrations that we release at a certain frequency as we speak to plants cause them to grow. And when we raise our voice and we yell in a negative vibration, it causes the plants to not be happy. If your words have this impact on plants when they hear, then how important is it for you to hear the voice of God speaking to you? Incline your ear and hear. And look at verse 3 again. It says, if you incline your ear and hear What's going to happen? Your soul shall live. We are a spirit. We have a soul and we live in this body. My soul is my mind, my will, my emotions, my heart. Spirit man, once we're saved, has been born again. Has been created anew. But boy, does my soul need some work sometimes. I still have those tendencies to get offended, to get hurt when you say something negative to me, to have my mind wonder about this and that. And it says, if you incline your ear and hear about the sure mercies of David, it says your soul shall live. There will be a rebirth, there will be a growth. And you, like the plants, will be happy. Now, it's important that you hear the new covenant realities, but it's also important that other people hear the new covenant realities. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 21. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21 says, Paul is writing to the church of Corinth. He says, for since, in the wisdom of God, the world through their wisdom, did not know God. So God, in his wisdom, made this choice, that it pleased him through the wisdom and this decision, through the foolishness of the message being preached to save those who believe. Through the wisdom of God. That means God thought about it. That means God came up with a plan. Is how am I going to get this message out to the people to save them? Because the wisdom of the world, when they think they've got it all figured out, they don't even know him. He says, how can I get my wisdom to them? He says, oh, I know the foolishness of the message. The foolishness of the message when it's preached. Not just by preachers. It doesn't say Pastor Jeremiah Land has to preach the message. No, the foolishness of the message is preached to save anyone who believes. So if anybody preaches the foolishness of the message to anyone at any time, they have the opportunity and the ability to save their soul, save their spirit, to renew their mind, change their physical outlook. This is a good thing because this gives me job security. I'm going to keep preaching the foolishness of this message Until the Lord returns, because it's God's plan. This is his plan. This is his way on how it's going to work. How are people going to get saved is by hearing the foolishness of this message. So as long as there is breath in my lungs, Christ died for your sins. He was buried in a tomb, and he rose again the third day. That makes no sense in my mind that a man was born 2,000 years ago who claimed he was God and fully man and never sinned and was hung on a tree by the Romans 2,000 years ago, buried in a tomb, rose again the third day, and went to heaven. And by believing on that, I've, I've not only just secured my eternal security, I've been secured My time here on earth as well. The sure mercies of David. The Foolishness of the message preached. Family, I don't know why you're here today. But you heard something that drew you here. You heard us preach or do something before that brought you back here today. You heard about this church, good, bad, or ugly, and you decided to come check it out one more time. You heard about something that brought you here today, but how are the people out there going to know about what's being spoken about in here if someone's not sharing and speaking for them to hear the foolishness of this message? The news isn't going to tell them. I haven't looked on any of whatever news website you want to see with a main article that says Jesus saves... Haven't seen that recently. The government, they're probably not going to tell us about the foolishness of the message. So how is the foolishness of the message going to be spoken and heard out there if it's not you and me that's sharing that message? People need to know about the goodness of God. If Christians are not the one to tell people, It's up to you and me to preach the foolishness of this gospel message. Family, we need to tell people that God poured out his whole wrath on Jesus. We need to tell people that God attached the sins of humanity to Jesus. We need to tell them that he placed sickness and disease on Jesus. We need to tell them that Jesus died for three days in a tomb. But family, we don't need to stop right there. We need to tell them that God got happy and He raised His Son from the dead and He brought Him out victorious. That we can leave our dead, decaying, sinful body in that tomb, but He came to give life and more abundantly. That it's time to come out of that grave and start living and let them hear the message. All of that happened to Jesus and by simply believing that message, then you can be set free spiritually, physically, emotionally, and mentally today. Let's keep reading Isaiah 55. We're going to go 4 through 7. We're almost done, and we'll pick up next week. Isaiah 55, verses 4 through 7. Isaiah's still writing, and now he's going to talk about the Messiah who's coming. He's talking about an everlasting covenant that is going to be placed between you, God, and man. The sure mercies of David. And now he's going to start talking about the Messiah. Verse 4 says, Indeed, I have given him as a witness to the people. In Revelations chapter 1, verse 5, Jesus has a name. He has many names, but in Revelations chapter 1, verse 5, his name is called the faithful witness. Indeed, I have given him as a witness to the people. God has given his son. Look, verse 4, a leader and commander for the people. Now more than ever do we need a leader. Now more than ever do we need someone to lead the church. Now more than ever do I need someone to help me lead my life and lead my family. Where do I go next? What do I do? I need someone, the mediator between God and man, to lead me. I need a commander. I need someone to speak Just like the walls of Jericho that are going to fall down in your life, I need a commander to tell me, go out there and conquer the land. Go out there and and raise the dead. Go out there and speak to those that are sick and heal the sick by laying on of hands. Make disciples, commanding me to go out there and do the job so that people can hear. Verse 5, surely you shall call a nation you do not know. A nation who do not know you shall run to you. Do you know that you're in the Bible? Here you are right here. A nation that nobody knew about called America. How many revivals have we had? How many great awakenings have we had? And God, bring one more great awakening to this nation. Bring one more great awakening to this nation so that we can tell people and they can hear about the sure mercies of David. Because of the Lord your God and the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Praise God. Verse 6, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Verse 7, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God. And we're going to park right here. For he will abundantly pardon Another sure mercy of David. Number two, God's pardon is greater than your sin. God's pardons is greater than your sin. Well, pastor, you just don't know what I did. God's pardon is greater than your sin. You don't know what I'm dealing with. God does, and his pardon is greater. He wants to abundantly pardon you, and he's already abundantly pardoned you. But you don't... Oh, oh, wait, let's read a scripture. Romans 5, verse 20 through 21. Paul is writing to the church of Rome, and he says, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. Paul says a wretched man that I am. The things that I want to do, I don't do. The things that I don't want to do, I keep stinking doing them. I'm tired of that. He says, I didn't know that I, I, I wanted to lust until the law told me that I, I shouldn't lust. Do you know how many laws have been put in place in America since the beginning of America? There is a law out there That says if you don't buckle your seatbelt, you get a ticket. There's a law out there that says you're supposed to go, honestly, I don't even know because I don't obey it, 35, 25 right here? What what is it? The law says, and is it established and written that I'm supposed to go 25 right there, and boy, do I not do it. Because the law entered in that offense, might abound. Don't go 25. But look at this. But where sin abounded, his abundantly pardoned, the sure mercies of David, the faithful graciousness abounded much more. Verse 21. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness Not just to death, but all the way through eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. God's pardon is greater than your sin. God is not going to barely let you get into heaven, but he is bringing you right into the family. It says in Hebrews, he's not ashamed to call you a brother or sister. When I lay in bed at night and I go to sleep and I close my door, my son... If he has a bad dream, does not have to knock, does not have to ask, does not have to slide money under my door, because he is a son, he opens that door wide open and he jumps in the middle of my bed. Now, if in the middle of the night, you have a bad dream and you get in your car and you drive to my house and somehow you get past my front door and you get past my dog and my attack kitty... And you get to my door and you open it up and you jump in between me and my wife and say, Daddy, I had a bad dream. We're going to have a conversation. (laughs) And it probably starts with the several weapons that are right next to my bed. But my son has full access and privilege to the inner sanctums. At any point in time, he can walk in to my fridge and get whatever he wants But somehow, in the religious world of church, we made it sound like God is trying to keep us out of heaven. When I I am and you are a son and daughter of the Most High God, God wants you in heaven more than you want to be there. Because he has abundantly pardoned you already. You're part of the family. I got my paycheck, thank God, on Friday. From the job that I work, Monday through Friday, from work, and I receive the exact amount that I always receive, because I'm salary, and so whatever I work, that's what I get paid for. Now, the HR office is in Dallas, but it would be crazy if I jumped in a plane, flew to Dallas, kicked in the door of the HR. department, and says, "You did not give me enough on my paycheck." They're going to say, "Who are you? Why are you here?" And we gave you whatever the amount is, because whatever you work, that's what you get. No if, ands, or money. Not a penny more, that is justice. If you were an hourly worker, you work 40 hours, you get paid for 40 hours. You don't get a penny more. That's the nature of justice. You get exactly what you deserve. No more, no less. God is not going to pardon you. Listen to this, family. God is not going to pardon you based on the amount you have sinned. Instead, he's decided to go ahead and pardon you in advance on the amount that Jesus deserves. Because God is a God of more than enough. He is not pardoning you based on the amount that you have sinned. He decided already in Isaiah, I'm going to go ahead and abundantly pardon humanity for what Jesus did. Because God is a God of more than enough. He's not a God of not enough. He's not a God of just enough. He's a God of more than enough. When Moses was taking the Israelites out of Egypt, Egypt was not enough. They were slaves. Then they went in to walk around the desert. It wasn't God's plan for them to walk around the desert for 40 years. And he gave them manna for just enough for that day. And then on Saturday, they got two extra doses. I guess Friday, two extra doses so they could survive the weekend. Egypt was not enough. The desert was just enough. But God has always his plan from the very beginning in the Israelites and also in your life is to take you into the land of more than enough the sure mercies of David, more than enough, the land flowing full of milk and honey. God, pardon is greater than your sin, more than enough. I've got three minutes, and I'm finishing with this, the last part. Isaiah 55, verse 8. Verse 8 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, Nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. Verse 9, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. If you've been in church at all, you've heard this scripture preached in a ton of different ways. But hopefully I can bring some new truth and revelation to you here. Number three, we'll finish with this one. Men think of getting even, but God thinks of getting over it. Men think of getting even, but God thinks about getting over it. Isaiah 55 verse 8 starts with the preposition for, which means preceding the scripture before this. So whatever he's talking about, for my ways are higher than your ways, my thoughts are higher than your ways, has to be what he's talking about before where he says in verse 7, for he will abundantly pardon So how you think you should be forgiven of sins, how you think you should handle your sins, how you think God should handle your sins, he says here, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. My ways are higher than your ways when it comes to abundantly pardoning all of your sins. God could have gotten even easily. We see throughout the scriptures of God getting even. Mankind was being evil And God says, you know what? I'm going to get even for what you did. I'm going to flood the whole earth and kill you. I'll save Noah. But the rest of y'all going underwater. The old covenant was all about getting even. If you do good, you get good. If you do bad, you get bad. Isaiah, if you read the first part of Isaiah, Isaiah is condemning the Israelites for this same thing. He's saying God is going to punish you because you have done bad. You have forsaken him. You have run away from him. You are serving other gods. Therefore, you are going to be judged. But God was tired of getting even. He says it's time for me to get over it, and I'm going to create a new covenant where I'm going to put all of my wrath upon my son, and I'm going to get over it. God is not mad anymore. There are some things in your life that you probably need to get over. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. And be kind to one another. Uh Uh-oh. Tenderhearted. Oh, boy. Forgiving one another. Oh. Why should I do that? Even as God in Christ forgave you. Okay. All right, God. I'll hear you. Family, there are some things in your life that you probably need to get over. Listen to this, as long as you keep trying to get even, then you'll never get over it. As long as you try to keep getting even against that person who's wronged you, against that family member who keeps saying that about you, you keep trying to get even in your marriage, in your relationships, you'll never get over it. There will never be healing and restoration in that situation. Just like Jesus, it's time to get over it. It's time to forgive. It's time to let go. It's time to let it go as far as east is from the west and remember it no more. Unforgiving, being unforgiving is a great bondage, but forgiveness is a great freedom. It's a great liberty for you. It's a great liberty to just forgive and let go. You don't have to worry about, oh, if I see him, if I see him today, if we go to that school and I see that person today, I'm going to hit them. I'm going to hit them right in the face. They deserve it. It's time to get over it. It's time to let it go. It's time to forgive, be kind to one another, tenderhearted. If it's a great liberty for you, think how liberating it was for God to put all the sins of humanity on Jesus so he could just get over it. His ways and thoughts of dealing with sin are higher than your ways. You're not called to try to go to heaven, but you're called to believe on the one who made it to heaven already and is waiting for you. Here's the last scripture, and I'm finishing with this. Colossians chapter 1, verse 19 through 23. It has all three of the points that we've discussed in this one scripture. For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell, verse 20, and by him to reconcile all things to himself, by him whether things on earth or things in heaven having made peace through the blood of the cross men think of getting even but god thinks about getting over it peace irene the end and ha- the end of havoc of war it's over god says it's over i'm done with it i'm not i'm tired of getting even i'm ready to get over it and how did he do that by making peace through the blood of jesus christ And you who once were, look, here's our second point. God's pardon is greater than your sin. This is what you once were, alienated and enemies in your mind by doing wicked works, yet now you have been reconciled, abundantly pardoned. Verse 22, in the body of the flesh through death. Look, this is how you're presented, abundantly pardoned to present you holy, blameless, and above reproach in his sight if indeed, verse 23, you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved from the hope of the gospel. Look at this, our other point. The new covenant realities are, are established through hearing, in hope of the gospel in which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which Paul, I, became a minister. The sure mercies, of David, that there is an everlasting covenant that has been established between me and you. And those are three of the six we'll pick up next week on the other three and finish out this chapter. If you were bored, don't come back because we're going to talk about it next week. If you enjoyed it, come back and we'll talk about the next three. Let's stand up as we get ready to head out. As we head out today, I want to bless y'all. We've got uh, some ice cream sandwiches. Take one for the road uh, and get you a a nice cold treat on this hot day uh, if you would like come join us at the school at three o'clock. If you have a shirt, wear one. If you need a shirt, grab one. Let's pray and head out. Father, we thank you for the sure mercies of David. We thank you for the everlasting covenant that you established with us, that all we have to do, you did all the work. Jesus did all the work, and all we have to do is believe. And it says, if we believe, it says in Romans, then we are accredited with righteousness Father, I thank you for the sure mercies of David. I thank you for the faithful graces of David that abide in our lives. Father, that the new covenant realities are manifested and are revealed when we just stop and listen. And when we hear the goodness of God, it leads us to repentance. When we hear about the goodness of the gospel message, it's what saves and heals our souls. Father, I thank you that you abundantly pardoned us that our sin, although it was great, your love and your grace was so much greater to abound over those sins and take care of us. And Father, I thank you that you got over it. You're not mad anymore, but you love us. You look at us and you are happy and you are smiling and you are a proud father looking at your sons and daughters. Your thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Your ways are higher than our ways because you came up with a plan and a purpose to eradicate sin and sickness out of our lives and out of this world and made a way for us to have a relationship with you. Father, I thank you for the sure mercies of David that are placed in each and every one of us, Father, that we don't take it for granted and that we go out and we share this testimony. Father, I thank you that each and every person here is the head and not the tail. They're above and not beneath. I thank you that they have the mind of Christ and that their body is healed by the stripes of Jesus. I thank you that they are the salt and light of the earth, a city set on a hill. And Father, I thank you that you have blessed them You've caused your face to shine upon them. You have been gracious to us and you have given us peace. And Father, I thank you that you're blessing them and you're bringing them back safely to church this week and next Sunday, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for your time. God bless you, we love you. Get an ice cream sandwich and we will see you next week. Thank you for listening to Press Church Podcast. If you would like more information about us or are interested in giving to our ministry, you can click the link in our bio or visit presschurch.org. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Press Church SC and have a great week.